This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, and it's a post-game edition today. Very excited to the post-game edition of the Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles after a couple days of practice. They went over to the stadium, avoided a deluge of rain that looked like it was going to be a soaker all day, but the rain held out, and the Browns and Eagles were able to play the score regardless, but the fact is the Browns lost. So now the season is completely over, and now we can look forward to next year and see what they look like uh, in the next season starting in 2023. Right, Daryl Ryder? Right? Welcome to Game Day Cleveland. No preseason champion T-shirts for the Browns this year. Sorry. Oh, I'm so bummed out. I'm just I, <laughs> like, I, I think the season's over. By the way, the name of the podcast is It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, why don't you knock yourself out and subscribe to the podcast? We'd love to have you as we give you a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's going on with the Browns and, you know, especially between the Browns themselves and what's going on with the media too. So that's, it's a little bit of my favorite part of the podcast that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And if you're just joining us for the first time, well, welcome aboard. And if you want to be a part of this at game day, CLE on Instagram or Twitter, Daryl, your initial reaction to preseason game number two, where we did not see Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett. And that was by design. And we didn't see a lot of familiar faces. This was basically the fourth preseason game. Remember the old fourth preseason games where you needed your depth chart. You needed a program or a roster. So you knew who was on the field. And there were a couple of guys that played for both teams today that weren't on the flip card. But um, (laughs) (laughs) like I said, welcome to preseason game number four. This was number two. But uh, before we get into that, can we go into the philosophy of that? Why, Why did four become two? Well, uh, a couple of reasons. One, they had two joint practices with the Eagles. So all the stuff that they wanted to rep, right, they got to rep with uh, Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson in those practices. Two, let's be honest about it, 
the field just got put in like last Tuesday after the concert, um, which by the way, held up fantastic. I thought it was going to be a cow pasture by the end of the game, especially with the forecast being what it is best. Well, they have the, they had the tarp on until I think probably like 11, 11 a.m. They took, they yeah. took, the, they took the tarp off at 11 a.m. Cause people had to get on the field and start warming up. So they kept it on as long as possible. They got a little, uh, got a little wet pregame, but was able to dry out. And so the field came through, uh, pretty, pretty well grounds crew did a, a great job. They always do. But, um, so that's another reason why guys, uh, a lot of guys, uh, didn't play. And then the other thing too, is is preseason game. Number three, Andy is going to be your dress rehearsal. Like next week is going to be kind of treated like a game week, right? Uh, right. Browns are technically, uh, mostly off on Monday. Uh, we'll, we'll speak with Kevin Stef- Stefanski, uh, via zoom, but, um, there's no player availability. We'll uh, visit with them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off Friday, because, of course, they will then play uh, Saturday night. Uh, Friday night at First Energy Stadium, mentor v. St. Ignatius, if you're looking for something to do. So uh, the new grass, going to get a workout already here uh, early. And then, of course, they get a lot of time uh, because they open the season on the road. So they'll have plenty of time to to get that field in shape uh, for uh, the home opener. and. Uh, Look for Brownie the Elf, one it, a, an iteration of Brownie the Elf at midfield. I'm feeling pretty. That's I've not been told anything. That is my prediction. That is my gut feeling. Uh, that for Brownie, game one, not for this week though, right? Right, right. Okay. So uh, because they're gonna the big reveal will take place uh, for the home opener. But my gut tells me that enough fans have will vote for one of the versions of Brown and the Yellow. What do you what's your is it the running one or the over the center one? I'm hoping the it is the, I'm hoping it is the original. The running one. The, the, the 1946 Heisman pose looking running elf. Uh, yeah, the field did cool. the, the field did look more football than the, you know, Brownie just standing there holding it. So. Yeah, the field looked extremely generic today, but you're right. I mean, I give the grounds crew a ton of credit cuz I mean it was just I was like, are they going to be able to play today? It was like, are, do you really want to put these guys at risk? Know. It I was, was bad. I, I mean, I was waiting for chunks of sod to come up. Uh, they, uh, from what I understand, they little thicker bed on the sod to help Dan, it. Joe Thomas kept talking about the, the amount of sand they had. Like, I just, in the pregame show on Browns Radio Network, I asked him just, just you know, what's it like to play on this turf? And he goes, this turf is nowhere near what I played on just because of all the sand they use right. underneath and its ability to – soak up moisture and be more flexible and be able to do some, I give them a lot of credit. Cause I, I mean, realize I don't even know three, four years ago, that field would have been like, like Chicago was. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, so they, they did a really, really good job getting that thing uh, playable and ready to go. And um, you know, right after the game, they get out there with their, their machines to, to clean up all the loose stuff that got all, or as I call it, the divots, right. Please replace right. your divots. Uh, they went through, they got all the divots out and, uh, you know, put down new stuff so that that can uh, grow in uh, this week. But um, so th- those were the two big reasons why, though, we we didn't see starters, didn't need to see them. They'd already practiced. And uh, again, uh, weather forecast slash potential field conditions. Um, and then and, and again, need to see some of these guys that are on the roster bubble here as Kevin Stefanski talked about after the game, some tough decisions that they're going to have to make because that third preseason game, that's the dress rehearsal. They don't play for like over two weeks. Once that preseason game happens, they will not play until September 11th. So they basically have two weeks of practice and that's it, right? 
I mean, usually it used to be like it was 10 days between eight and 10 days before the season opener, because you'd play that fourth and final preseason game. It'd be on a Thursday night. You get the weekend off to cut down your roster. And then it usually was Labor Day, right? Labor Day used to be the first quote official practice of week one. And then boom, that following weekend is your, your week one game. So a lot of time, uh, until the actual season opener, though. So that's why Stefanski lined up the playing time the way he did, which I thought was pretty smart on his part. All right. I, I want to talk about Josh Jobs, Josh Dobbs, and I want to talk about Josh uh, Rosen here in a second. But, Daryl, I, I, I mean, I just know it. I know how the city is. I know what <laughs> the greatest, the greatest job in the city of cleveland is to be the backup quarterback and it seems like josh dobbs wrapped that up and it's going to put pressure on jacoby Brissett to look good in the final preseason game and to look good in the beginning of the season because you do know as soon as i say 216-578-0092 that people will be saying why is josh dobbs not starting it's why are coming. we not yeah well yeah i mean they'll be saying why was there not a quarterback competition in training camp to replace oh yeah why didn't they that there? um and I got to say this too, because I, I I just, if you can't like Josh Dobbs or Jacoby Brissett, just like his people, then you are the most insufferable, miserable person on the planet. I know there are a lot of people that don't like Josh Rosen. I heard them sitting in front of me in the press box today. Well, notice I didn't say Josh Rosen. I said (laughs) Josh Dobbs and I said Jacoby Brissett, because those are the two guys we're talking about right now. They are just two of the most genuine down to earth, guys uh that i i would they're coming close to getting to my like top 15 favorite guys to be really they're just that they're just that easy uh you know to talk to and they don't have chips on their shoulder and they're not jaded and, and and those type of things but dobbs these last two games the jacksonville game and this like the offense woke up in jacksonville as soon as he got on the field, they started scoring points. Sunday afternoon, four drive, you know, four drives, points on the board each time. So, you know, two touchdowns, two field goals. Like, how can you argue with that? Um, I would have liked, and we can talk about this a little later. The, the, the one thing I would have liked at the end of the first half, if they would have run a play instead of kicking a 19-yard field goal. I've seen Cade York kick 60-yard field goals in practice. He did it today I, before the game. I'm not not overly concerned about him needing work. Now, Stefanski did mention that he felt that it was important to run that operation, uh, the 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 place kicking operation uh, again, snap snapper holder, all all that. So so I get it, but and I and I fully admit I'm totally nitpicking. But one second on the clock, it's a preseason game. No one gives a crap about the final score. Go ahead and get yourself one extra red zone snap there. And by the way, awesome job by the the timekeeper because the play before was run with four (laughs) seconds seconds, on the clock. And it only took three seconds for Dobbs to throw a fade that was incomplete. So outstanding job, First Energy Stadium timekeeper, to get that extra second on the clock so the field goal unit could come out and kick a 19-yard field goal. But I would have liked to see a re- another red zone play there just so you could rep it. And You you and the section in front of me, my friend. Okay. You and the section in front of me. All right, let's do this. Let's Does come back. We'll talk. Say that again? 
Hey, does that mean I'm wrong because the the folks in front of you, you were disagreeing with quite a well, bit? Well, what's amazing is you had the same the same concept as the people in front of me who are um, having a little bit of fun and drinking yeah, a little bit. A little not bit buying of, Josh uh, Rosen jerseys in the team shop. Apparently, I didn't see any Josh Rosen t-shirts. I did see. You know what's funny? I only saw one Deshaun Watson t-shirt. That was the only, and I only saw it in one of their stores. I thought it was super interesting. Maybe we'll bring that up a little bit later. Oh, I want to get into play yeah, calling. Yeah. We got to talk about your reintroduction to the press box. All right, let's do that when we come back. We'll do that in a second. You're listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the show. We're going to talk more of the aftermath of preseason game number two, the epic battle, the football game of all football games that were played today after 1 o'clock and before 4 o'clock. That's coming up on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening. We're recapping... Uh, what happened with the Browns in their preseason game against the Eagles and what happened during the week. And as we look ahead as well, <laughs> it was the first game at first energy stadium this year. Um, little cosmetic things still not complete uh, inside the stadium. I think they're waiting for the first game of the season. I will say this though, Daryl, um, and it was really weird. And I, I thought this was bizarre that Philadelphia didn't send an away radio team. And I think their TV was done uh, remote like yeah. we did during the pandemic. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, the visiting radio booth was open. So I sat in there with Meredith, our producer, our amazing producer. And uh, as I looked in front of me, I saw Deshaun Kaiser jersey, and I was going to take a picture of it, and I was going to send it to Phelps, but I didn't. Okay. I saw Baker Mayfield. I saw Bernie Kozar. Three. I saw Colt McCoy. Four. Uh, I'm trying to think. I know I saw a couple other ones too. Uh, Nick Chubb took the, the the win, though. There were more Chubb jerseys than other um, any other jersey than I saw. So, oh, excuse me. I did I'm trying to remember the other. I thought I saw a couple more quarterback jerseys, but again, it was Just a potpourri. You channel your inner Zach Meisel, and you need to do random jersey <laughs> sightings because uh, welcome, welcome back to the press box. This is what we do in the true. Place. We're right behind all the fans, so it's it, every week it's entertaining to see what obscure jersey is going to be worn amongst the fans in front of us. And so that's why, as you were reading off the quarterbacks, I was counting them out because that's what we did. Yeah, there were more. Oh, oh, I also forgot. If they weren't wearing an old Browns jersey, they were carrying around a baby in a baby Bjorn drinking beer. I saw three guys today. The baby was drinking beer? What? No, I might as well have been. I saw three guys today, and they were all bigger than I was, so I was not going to say a word to them. But I, and one guy looked like he was a WWE wrestler, and he had a big beard, and I was just like, all right, this guy's kind of – he looked like one of the uh, uh, one of the brothers, the Hacksaw brothers, Hacksaw Doug. He looked like one of those guys. Okay. So, and as I'm walking around, I'm, I look, and I'm like, what is up with all the dads – Carrying their babies in these reverse backpacks, good I mean, just them. right there on their chest, and I'm uh, like, you know what? I'm gonna crazy. Now, good, good, good job, dads. Help, help, helping the uh, the wives out. Good job carrying the kids around and drinking beer. That's multitasking. That's that's father of the year material, right there. Uh, well, one of them was was standing in the front row of the deck that's right, I, the club level that's in front of the press box, uh-huh. and I'm like, whoa, 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 make sure you don't get too close to the railing. Anyway, we're too close to the railing on this story, but it was uh, it was an interesting day. It was I mean, it was not a huge crowd today, and I wasn't expecting that either. That too. was a uh, I call the COVID crowd. <laughs> it was a little more than a COVID crowd, not much though. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, were you surprised? Did you happen to know? Like, I didn't see any. I, I don't think I saw. Empty. So as I was driving in, because I come in uh, from the east, right? Uh, you know, around Dead Man's Curve, and you know, uh, come around uh, to get off on Ninth. And so I, I drive by the Muni lot before every game, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I check my phone for a second because I'm like, is today sun? I get in football season, the days just blend together. So sometimes time disorients me and I'm like, today's Sunday, right? Cause I, like, there's no one in the immunity lot. So I look at my phone, it's Sunday. I'm like, okay, I'm not a complete idiot, just a partial yeah. idiot. And so I'm driving and I get close to the, the right as I'm getting ready. And I'm like, okay, I see three, I see three tents in the immunity lot and a trailer. We're good. Okay. There is a game. There is a game today. And, uh, and then once I got up, uh, to East 9th Street there, I saw the, the the police presence and the barricades and everything were up and, you know, officers were directing traffic and like there was no one to direct. I kind of felt for, bad for the like directing traffic and there's no one to direct traffic for. You but know yeah, what's crazy? If was- you don't get in through the freeway on game day, you've got to go to South Marginal and come in that way. It's the only way to get in because I've been caught before trying to get into the game. Like I've missed entire I, I missed an entire first quarter of a game because I was doing TV and then coming down there and I got, I couldn't get in today. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I was on the inner belt and I got off at Lakeside and I kind of swung around over there where you go past the FBI and you go by channel three at 13. Right. And um, if you catch it the wrong time, there could be a train coming through. Yeah, And, yeah, and I got, I, I spent 15 minutes waiting for a train to go by. Yeah. They, um, they locked that lakefront down. Luckily for me, I get, I always get there um, three hours before kickoff. I did, I try and you had to use your fingers. I did do that. You looked at your fingers. I'm terrible at adding and subtracting time as well as days and years. I'm just quarterbacks, number of quarterbacks on the back of a jersey. Quarterbacks, I can add up real fast. I got the spreadsheet ready to go. I was actually going to pull up the spreadsheet and start checking them off and tell you which ones you still needed to look for and see. We should play a game. Can Andy Baskin spot every quarterback's jersey to play for the Browns since 1999 in the crowd throughout the duration of the Brown season? That could okay, be that's what I'm doing. That, I'm going to. I will tweet out that picture on there. I'll, I'll um, I'll put it on my Instagram and I'll also put it on our Instagram too. Right, on the right. Always Game Day or Game Day CLE Instagram. And we'll we are going to go through poll. the entire season like that. Yeah, we'll have to have Meredith do a poll for us on uh, Game Day CLE on Twitter. Does Andy Baskin check off all 33 Browns starting quarterbacks since 1999 in the random jersey sightings? And yes, Zach Meisel, we're totally ripping your bit off. <laughs> did he did he take pictures of all of them or no? Oh, so what, what it is is uh, Guardians fans will spot the random jerseys because – Zach would do that at, right. at Guardians games. He would, you know, ran, and then he would, what's really cool is he gives the story. So-and-so played for the then, you know, then Indians from right. such and such and such. He said somewhere like, God bless him. He find he played in two uh, uh, spring training games in like 2001 and he hit for a buck 28 or so, like he, he comes up with all these stories to go with him too. He does such a phenomenal job <laughs> with that bit. And so he takes people's their their own name and or he takes well, actual players. What it is is they'll because he may have ripped this bit off from me. I'm going to tell you oh, why in a second. Okay, so what he'll do is is it, it's become such a bit now. Fans will take the pictures and tweet at him with the photo of the back name of the jersey, and then he'll respond to them on Twitter with the and the, the name is player. the name is the actual person or someone who really played for the team. 
so, no, someone for who really played for the team. Yeah. Okay. Like, so, so like if someone's wearing an Ellis Burks jersey, right? Right. Okay. And will take a picture. Dude's wearing an Ellis Burks jersey. And then Zach goes, oh, well, Ellis Burks played for the Cleveland Indians from da-da-da, da-da-da-da. He did this, this, and this. So when when I, when I spent six years traveling with the, with the Indians, it was at the point probably somewhere in the middle of the first year where we would be, you would look, and in it, it would happen all the time. And this was well before social media because otherwise this would have been a good bit. So, And it is a great social media bit now. Oh, it is a great social media. So you take the picture of the person who's sitting in the stands who's over 14, not you know, even over 18, okay? And you take a picture of the back of their jersey and it would say a rider or Baskin. It'd be a homemade jersey. That like the parents, you know, it's one of those. Oh, let's go buy our dad a jersey. We'll put our right. name on the back of it. We'll put his number. Well, on I, when I was covering, but, but we would sit there and we'd be like, I would sit there and I would look and and our producer at the time was a guy named Tony Burke and I would look at Tony. I'm like, oh my god, the season is saved. I know we're five games under 500 right now, but we signed Ryder, and he's sitting in section 202. Man, I'm telling you, if somebody gets hurt during the game. Ryder is right there and he is ready. He's got his glove. I don't care if he's got a plain jeans or not. That doesn't matter. Ryder is ready to go. And man, I'm, I I wish they would just put him in the game right now. God, Eric Wedge, would you please put him in the game? <laughs> because you have to have a jersey with your own name on the back of it. If you're if you're an adult. Kids, right. I don't care. You know, if you're a five-year-old kid and you put a especially babies with their last name, that's cute, but if you're an adult, I saw Carnegie and Ontario next to each other at a game when I was covering earlier this year. So I, you know, I maybe I saw that too. I thought that was great. That I did think was interesting. That was good. Do we actually want to talk about the Browns in the segment? <laughs> we can do that next segment. See, that's the great thing about this podcast, though, is we can just like go off the rails and talk about random stuff like jerseys we find in the stands and in front of the press box and stuff, and dads carrying their babies in whatever those things are called. And uh, it was an experience. And by the way, this is this is the second game of the preseason. We can do what we want. So let's do this. Let's come back. I want to talk about some actual things that happened uh, in the game. And I want to talk about Josh, Job, Josh Dobbs. Um, I want to talk about Anthony Schwartz. Um, and I want to talk about David Bell, too. All of those guys making a mark. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, God bless you for sitting through that last segment. <laughs> Because we appreciate you more than ever. And you know. And we will actually say your name in the next podcast because you made it through that segment. Uh, and all you have to do is tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram at Game Day CLE. Andy Not Baskin will read your name like he's reading off Brown's alumni names. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a inside story joke. for another day. Inside joke and a story for another podcast. Back after this. It's always Game Day in Cleveland. Bless you for making it through that break and coming back to listen to me and Daryl. We appreciate you. If you want to keep on listening to the same insight and just, you know, knowledge and letting you know about jerseys, please stick with us uh, with It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Again, I'm Andy Baskin. He's Daryl Ryder at Game Day CLE on Instagram and Twitter. All right. It was a preseason game. We did learn some things. First, let's start with the quarterbacks. What did we learn about the Joshes? Josh Dobbs has, I think, won the backup job behind Jacoby Brissett. No question about it. 14 to 20, buck 41, no picks, no touchdowns. Really showed his mobility and his feet. Uh, had four carries for nearly 50 yards. A uh, little bit of an errant snap on his three yard touchdown run. 
composed. Like that's the thing that impresses me about him is he did he didn't look rattled out there even when stuff wasn't perfect or, or going well. One of the point one of the moments in the game that I absolutely loved, Andy, it was in the final drive of the first half. Throw to Anthony Schwartz on the Brown sidelines. Now, I, I want to be fair to Schwartz. I don't want to say he dropped the ball, even though he did, because I don't even know if he if he would have caught it if he would have been in bounds for for a catch. So that's why I'm hesitant to say Schwartz he dropped the pass. Okay, but on the next play, Dobbs goes right back to him. Schwartz makes the catch. They move the chains. Like I just loved that sequence. And it, to me, that shows the, the 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 maturity of Dobbs as a young quarterback going right back to a guy who didn't make a play on the previous throw, but went right back to him and gave him an opportunity to make the play. I just loved that sequence. Daryl, that to me, when I watched that sequence of plays, was the definition of preseason. Okay? It's almost like uh, a mulligan. That's what that was. It was a football mulligan that you can only really see in the preseason because I disagree with that. You see that in the regular season, veteran quarterbacks. If a guy doesn't make a play for you, you see quarterbacks going like that perfect example. And this is where I, this is last last week in Jacksonville. Uh Deshaun Watson. Now it wasn't the very next play, but Watts after Schwartz's first drop, Watson went right back to him. And then after the game, you know, Schwartz talked about, hey, Deshaun came to him and said, I got you, bud. Like I'm coming right back to you. Like you're my guy. Type that you yeah, but I think Schwartz is in a weird position right now. Like, I think they needed to do that for his confidence because I, they just he needed that nine yard catch more than anybody on oh, the entire team. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure he looked up at the scoreboard and he said, "Okay, good. Now it says one for nine, and I'm actually I'm into this game." But Daryl, the, the oh, bigger question two, is, he caught two of the three targets that were thrown to him. The one the one target he didn't catch was that tough sideline play. So uh, he you know made two plays, got twenty yards. Um, as Kevin Stefanski said after the game, felt that Schwartz had a really good week, especially good week of work working against uh, the Eagles. And uh, uh, so um, I, I think that there's something to be said for that as well. So, um, uh, all right. So, Daryl, let me let me let me say this: Are you Schwartz flames for a moment? Are you are, are you confident with him being the fourth fifth receiver on this team right now? Because I don't know. Like, okay, Cooper, yes, Donovan Peoples Jones. Yes, David Bell. We'll talk about him in a second. Yes, right. like uh, to me, I, I I see a lot of shades of a very young Jarvis Landry in him, and I don't know if that's fair for the expectations of a third rounder. Now, right. now you're looking at your fourth wide receiver. Can they do better than? And, and Michael Woods isn't going anywhere. I know that Anthony Schwartz is a third rounder. You know, okay. I'm gonna, can I give but you a guy? Mike Harley Jr. looked good again today too. That, that was the guy I was about to mention and he's yeah. getting and he's getting some uh, opportunity in the return game a, as well like um yeah I I really like uh I, I like Harley a lot and because of the injury to Jakeem Grant I think that opens the door for Harley to to make the team because he was a player that I'm like well can they get him through the waiver wire and onto the practice squad um so He's a player that the more I watch, the more um, I like him. Uh, what does that do for Demetric Felton? Well, Demetric's in a tough spot. And this is, again, what what do you do? Because to me, Demetric Felton right now, Andy, is more of a receiver than he is a running back. And that's not because he can't be a running back. It's just that's just how they're using him. Like You're going to keep and, six wideouts and how many running backs? That's where I and and keep all these DBs. Like I, I'm, 
I know we haven't seen Johnny Stanton, and I love Johnny Stanton because I love the fact that you've got a back that can block. But with the way this running back room looks right now, do they have the luxury of I, keeping I, Johnny Stanton? I don't think so. But the problem is, is like Stefanski like use, likes using the fullback. Yeah. So, so Johnny Stanton is important. I mean, I understand the question that you're asking. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying. I'm not Darryl, trying to you every on running Daryl. Every running back on this team looks good right now. They I know. all do. They, I mean, uh, Ford, Kelly, Felton, Kelly, yeah. Johnson, and I'm not talking about the big two yet. Yeah, they, they got they got five guys, and they have f- at most, in my view, four roster spots with keeping Johnny Stanton at fullback. Like I, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, right? So, yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to see what. Andrew Barry does. And, and look, I mean, these things tend to sort themselves out. And I thought that they were going to kind of sort themselves out when Kareem hunt did his hold in or whatever they, they, you want to call that thing. And then I think the light bulb went off. Somebody got in his ear and said, Hey bro, there's like four other dudes that can take your job. Like they, they may not be Kareem hunt. They may not be as good as you, but they can certainly fill your role. And if you want to get paid and whatnot, uh, and get your touches. The last thing you want to do is al- just kind of be like, "Yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm sitting this stuff out, boys. Have at it." Like, because I want a new contract. Like, and that's why I wrote what I wrote, not to be critical of Kareem, but just the the concept. I understood where he was, and I understand like where he's coming from. He wants security. He feels like he's earned it, and to a degree, I I I agree with him. The problem is the numbers aren't in his favor. They've got three other dudes behind him. And so my whole thing was, yeah, I don't know if you want to open the door for these three other guys and give the coaches an opportunity to run up in their office and be like, hey, uh, Kelly can do it. Ford can do it. We know Darnus can do it. So, hey, Andrew, um, yeah, if you uh, if you have to depart with 27, you're not going to get a fight from the coaching staff here. And, 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 and again, I'm not. I'm not criticizing Kareem and I'm not certainly not questioning his playing ability, but like, that's the, that these are the conversations that legitimately happen behind closed doors in these offices in NFL facilities when these type of situations come up. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what Andrew Barry does with this roster when you're talking about the running backs. All right. I'm going to ask this one question and I'm wondering if the, the story will die at some point. I don't think the Garoppolo story is going to die. I don't think Brissette, it will either. Not, yeah, not until. Brissette, if Brissett struggles against Chicago, the Garoppolo story is going to take on an even bigger life than it is right now. I, I'm sure that they've done their due diligence on Garoppolo. Right. I'm sure of it. Well, they did their due diligence on Garoppolo before they completed the trade for Deshaun Watson. Like that was all part. They, like, and and I know people. Are gonna, I, I'm sure they've revisited it. Right. But my point is, someone's going to try and like make you know make a big deal of this. But again, this is standard operating procedure for front offices. When you go back right. in your off season meetings and you're like, okay, quarterbacks that could be available, right? In case we need to move on for Baker, we make the decision to move on for Baker who could be available. Okay. Deshaun, who uh, Jimmy G could be available. Okay. Well, we've already done homework in years past on Jimmy G, right? right. Remember tried to trade for him right. with the Patriots and Bill Belichick held the grudge and wouldn't do it. So then you come back you pull that, you bring up that research, and then you revisit your recent research. You tie them together. Okay, does everything still line up? Do we still think the same thing that we thought a couple years ago for it? Whatever. So, the, the, again, these are conversations that happen in that building. 
And it's not just like a, a, a brown, like it's any NFL building. And th these are how the executives and their front offices and their scouting staffs and the coaching staffs and coordinators, and all, they, they get together and have these meetings behind closed doors to kind of hash this stuff out. I will, I agree with you. I think that going into the next preseason game, the third preseason game, there is a ton of pressure on Jacoby Brissett. And I, and again, this is why I, I like the guy so much personally, you know, we were talking to him last week and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not sweating it. It's no big deal. I'm just going out and doing my job, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I do kind of have to earn the faith that they are putting in me. I have to go out and perform. And if I don't perform, then that that's, you know, not going to live up to my end of the bargain. And how can you not love and respect the response like that from a guy? You know what I'm right. saying? So I realize it's preseason. It's the third preseason game. There's still, you know, from then there'll be like two plus weeks to go for the, but I mean, yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, there's going to be, because you know, as you, you know, you host every day from, <laughs> from 10 to two, you know what phone calls you're going to get. If he does not play well against the bears, you're going to get calls about Josh Dobbs and you're going to get calls about Jimmy G and how, how, how do you respond? How, here's how you respond. Well, Jacoby lit it up Saturday night and threw for X amount of yards and a couple of touchdowns and didn't throw any picks and he looked mobile and this, that, and the other, commanded the offense, whatever. The Browns are in good shape. But if he doesn't go out there and do it, Andy, then what does your defense become other than he's a great dude, his teammates love him, Anthony Walker, who played with him in, in Indianapolis, just raves about him, not only as a teammate, but as a player. They were 5-2. and two. Uh, and then their season fell apart because everybody got hurt, including Josh, you know, including uh, Jacoby Brissett. And, and they had like a Cleveland Brown season where it just went off the rails down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, this is a big, big week for Jacoby Brissett. He can shut a lot of people up by going out and playing really well against the Bears. We shall see. Speaking of being quiet, that's where we are right now. So that's going to wrap up this edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Final thought, Daryl. Uh, final thought is one more preseason to go. I game to go. I'm thrilled about that. Uh, by the way, I want to shout out Kevin Stefanski uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles too. Want to give uh, Nick Serini some some credit. They ran the ball like 50 times in the first quarter. Fastest first fast quarter. quarter. Fast. By the way, over. by the way, can we get what's what's the opposite of a shout out? A jeer? Yeah. I think, yeah, you know who gets the jeer, right? Darryl? Oh, yeah. So, okay, get a little behind the scenes for this you. This is behind the scenes. So, we have this thing. We never, ever, under any circumstance, it doesn't matter the sport, especially for baseball. Baseball is a massive no no because there's no clock on baseball. And that crap can take like five hours to play a nine inning game. So, give me a roof and give me a clock, and you have a sport. I right. love football, but. <laughs> Don't be they've got the clock at least I, I, baseball was my first love um but you never talk about the pace of the game ever you ever. never mention how fast or slow the game is going ever because as soon as you mention how quick a game is going guess what happens grinding it slows down like in slow motion so we were on pace to play that game in like two and a half hours right yes we were and somebody sitting next to me. Uh, just in just my call room. him out. Call him out. I will. Poobah. It was the Poobah. Typical Ivy League, New York, pompous attitude Poobah. Looks and says to Daryl, as I'm standing right there, 
this game is going to be over before the Indians game. Oh, that's going to be good for traffic. I look at him with laser beam eyes and say, I can't believe you just said that. Well, why, why, why? I go, you understand that in this business, that is the ultimate jinx. You never say a game is going fast. You're you're tempting the sports gods to slow a game down as much. You're just basically mentally use, using mental telepathy to tell the referees to start throwing more flags. I've seen I've seen baseball games. The first six innings get like the seventh inning stretch is in within like ninety minutes of the game being played, like cruising along, right? And then somebody has to mention how fast the game's being played, and then it takes ninety minutes to play the final nine outs of the game. <laughs> and then you just want to kill them for it. You never talk about time of game or pace. Daryl, I did almost 500 Major League Baseball games in a row. 500. While, how many was, times did you mention how fast the game was being played? Maybe twice when I first started. When I first got the job doing Indians pre and post game. And how fast did you learn not to do that? As fast as it was when I was telling Jake Westbrook one time we were in a cab with <clears throat> Brian Anderson. And I just, it was my first year doing it. And I got these notes from uh, Stats Inc., which was huge. Like, if you got those notes, it was like gold because you had all this great information to give out. So we, I was in the cab, or I was about to get into a cab. And normally you don't get into a cab with players, but BA was so cool. BA is like, hey, get in the cab with, cab with us. You're going over the park. I was like, yeah, I'll get in. So I sat in the front seat, and Jake Westbrook was in there too. I was like, hey, Jake, by the way, Jake, probably one of the greatest, nicest players of all time. 100%. Yep. Yeah. So I, I had just read through this big book of stats, and I was like, and we were at the ballpark in Arlington. And I said, uh, man, this, I just was reading stats, think I cannot believe the number of home runs this ballpark is yielding. It's ridiculous. Like three or four a game. It's nuts. That should be good for our offense. That's what I said. <laughs> and I look back in the rearview mirror and B.A. has steam coming out of his ears and his eyes are about to pop out. And we get to Arlington. Are you out of the cab? No, no, no. The the cab ride, like it was a really dumpy hotel in Arlington, too. This was before it was built up, before Jerry World was there. So we get out of the cab and it was the longest walk ever from uh, the t- the tunnel in Arlington. It was probably like. Man, it had to have been half a mile or close to a mile from where they drop you off to getting to the clubhouse. And um, Jake stopped to, to make a phone call. I think he was calling home. And B.A. and I were walking down the hallway. And he looked at me and he was like, you are the dumbest MFR I have ever met in my life. And I go, why? What I do? And he goes, I go, B.A. I go, what did I do? What did I go? He goes, you never talk about negative never put negative things in a, in a pitcher's head especially on the day he's starting <gasps> so as that game went on jake went like six and two-thirds that night and did not give up a home run i was sweating bullets the entire game i'm like oh my god i put that negative thought in his head i can't believe i did that i can't believe i did that i can't believe i did that as soon as the game was over and the crowd walked away from jake afterwards i was like Jake, man, I am so sorry. I did not mean to do that. I was thinking about our offense. I wasn't thinking about theirs. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, what I said in the cab on the way over, he goes, I got to be honest, I wasn't paying attention to anything you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "That's Jake, you've never made me happier. 
me and every infielder you've ever played with that because you're a ground ball pitcher. All right, Daryl, that's it. That's a long final thought, and I had to turn over to baseball to do it. So he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Again, if you like what you're listening to, give us some stars, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we really appreciate everybody listening. And uh, if you like it, come back again. We'd love to have you on board. And if you have any input, like I said last time, if you mention that I was talking about, we will give you a mention and a shout out. Uh, we will just, all you got to do is click your name into uh, Twitter or Instagram, and we're going to say it next time too. So we're going to start getting a little bit more interactive on the show. It's always game day in Cleveland. Meredith Kane, thank you very much. You're an outstanding producer, and you had to put up with me all day today. So I feel really, 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 really bad about that. We'll talk to you later. It's always game day in Cleveland.